morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Thank you for being here today to worship and celebrate and hear a little Willie Nelson with us. Really glad that you've chosen to, uh, to worship with us. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be continuing in our walk through the Gospel of Luke. And so we'll be in Luke chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn there. If not, we'll always throw the words on this really giant screen behind me so you can follow along. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles available for you. You're welcome to grab one and use it. If you don't have one at home, take it home, write your name in it. That will be our little gift to you because we think everybody should have a copy of God's Word and, and be reading it. And so um, feel free to do that. Luke 14, we get to talk about the kingdom of God and about heaven today. It's always fun to talk about heaven. Um, before we get to talk about that, though, we've also got to talk about hypocrisy because as I sort of set up what's going on in Luke 14, Jesus is dealing with blatant hypocrisy from the religious leaders. And so think with me for a second, what's the most hypocritical thing you've ever seen or been a part of or said or demonstrated? I'm sure all of you think of something where you're like, yeah, that was pretty hypocritical. I'll give you a few examples um, when I was growing up, I went to a really traditional church, and I remember one time a, one of our deacons at this church was outside posting no smoking signs near the, near the entrances while smoking a cigarette, okay? If we had camera phones and social media back then, it would have quickly been a meme, but you see the picture, literally hanging the no smoking signs while smoking a cigarette. One time I was at a friend of mine's house, he... Uh, he had a stepdad who was not a believer, pretty rough, rough guy. And uh, my friend said uh, a cuss word while we were talking in the living room. And from the back room, you hear his father-in-law, I mean his, uh, his stepdad, yell. He said, hey, stop beeping, cussing. And we looked at each other. We're like, I think he just dropped an F-bomb while telling us not to cuss. Like, that just seems a little hypocritical maybe, right? Or how about this one? Um, have any of your parents ever smacked you for smacking a sibling? <laughs> Just me, right? My brother, when we were growing up, my brother, I have an older brother who, he took some of my candy, which is a no-no, by the way. You don't take Dave's candy, okay? Uh, and so I smacked him. And my mom turns around and literally just whack, just smacks me. And she goes, hey, we don't hit. Hitting is not the way to get what you want. <laughs> and I was like, well, you wanted me to stop hitting him, and so you hit me. So apparently it is a way, I'm just saying, right? Hypocritical, blatant hypocrisy, all right? That is what Jesus is dealing with in Luke chapter 14. I'll set the stage for you. Jesus is invited to the home of a very prominent religious leader, a prominent Pharisee as chapter 14 gets started. Now, Jesus accepts the invitation to this dinner party at the home of the prominent Pharisee. So he's going into enemy territory, right? He's literally accepted the invitation to go to a place where nobody, nobody likes him. They're looking, they're looking for how to trap him, how to discredit him, how to get him to say something that's going to break one of their rules so they can undermine his authority. I don't know about you, but I'm not accepting that invitation, right? If you, in, if, if you invite me to a place where I know everybody at the, at the place, everyone around the table is out to get me and doesn't like me, no thanks. Like, you have your party, I'll go somewhere else. I don't want to go to that party. But Jesus graciously accepts the invitation and he goes to this dinner party with all these Pharisees that are literally just trying to trap him. And so here's the trap. They're trying to get him to work on the Sabbath. 
If they can prove that he's breaking the law of, of, of the Sabbath and working on the Sabbath, they think they can discredit him. And so while they're at the dinner party of the Pharisees, uh, there just happens to be a man who has a disease there. He just happens to roll into this prominent Pharisee's home in front of Jesus, and they know that Jesus you know, loves people and he has compassion on people, and, um, and so Jesus heals him. And they're like, ah, you know, we got gotcha. you. We got gotcha. you. Now, here's the hypocrisy. I don't know if any of you have ever thrown a dinner party, but that's a lot of work, is it not? To throw a dinner party, you got to send out the invitations, you got to clean the place up, and you got to prepare all the food. And they did all of this without modern appliances like we have today. And so prepare the food usually started with slaughter the animal and gut the animal and process the animal and then prepare everything. And again, you got you to clean up and get all the decorations and make sure everybody's coming. And then when it's over, guess what? You got to clean up. You gotta, there's a lot of work that goes into cleanup, right? And so Here's the hypocrisy of the, of the religious leaders. They're literally doing all of this work or probably having other people do all of this work so that they can trap Jesus for doing work on the Sabbath. Do you see the blatant hypocrisy that's going on here with the religious guys? Jesus accepts the invitation. He goes to their dinner party. He heals a guy right in front of them. And then, which... If this was me, after healing the guy in their presence, I would have just walked out. <laughs> Mic drop, I'm gone. Have a great day. He stays, which probably made it really, really awkward. He stays at the dinner party, and he tells two parables, both of which are rebuking the very people that invited him to the party. Okay, so the first one he tells, he gets on to them for not being very, hum- very humble. He talks about their pride in, in, in the first parable. And then the one we're going to look at today, the parable of the great banquet, is also a parable where he rebukes the Pharisees, okay? So we'll, we'll read it, Luke 14, I'll begin in verse 12. Here is how the parable unfolds. It says that he said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your friends and your brothers, your, rel- your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you are repaid. But when you give a feast, he says, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, and you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And then one, one of them speaks up in verse 15, says, when one of those uh, who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. I've still got a green light. Do I need to preach from standing over here? That won't be weird for me. It might be weird for them. What about now? (laughs) Okay. We'll just carry on like nothing ever happened. That's what we do around here, right? So Jesus is telling the parable. A man once gave a great banquet, invited many, and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say uh, to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. Verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them, so please have me excused. 
Then my favorite, verse 20. Another said, I have married a wife. Blame it on the wife, right? Blame it on the wife. Therefore, I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. And then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges, compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet." Okay, so you can see how awkward the dinner party got. You know, the the religious people are like, yeah, blessed are all of us who are going to be at this party. And Jesus goes on to tell a parable where he's like, yeah, y'all might not be there, right? Like you got the invitation, my people, but you got a lot of excuses, right? And so you can see where the dinner party got a little bit awkward. What I want to do is just kind of unpack the parable. There's some really important lessons in this parable for, for us that are kind of big ideas. And so the first one of those, the first thing is the parable gets started. Um, as Jesus begins to talk, he's really talking about the kingdom of God and, and heaven being like a party, being like a banquet, right? He, he's talking about this, this great banquet. So listen, I don't know what you think of when you think of heaven. Like, I don't know what you think heaven's going to be like. Um, a lot of us may get different images or pictures in our minds, maybe pop culture, different things we've read or seen have sort of told us what heaven may or may not be like. Like for some people, uh, they think heaven's going to be like, we're all going to be younger versions of ourselves, maybe infants or toddlers sitting around in halos, you know, playing harps, I guess. I don't know. Um, it just seems like a rather odd view of, of heaven to me. Like, can you, can you imagine heaven being like, being like this? I mean, naked baby Austin playing a harp. Like that seems like it might be closer to hell than heaven. I don't know. Like I'm not sure I want to work really hard. That's not where where I want to end up, right? That just seems like a really odd view of heaven. Okay. Now other people in the evangelical church world, I've often heard that heaven's going to be like a big worship service. Okay. It's going to be like a big church service with, you know, lots of music and lots of preaching. And some of you already in here are already are going, good Lord, I hope not, right? I'm already ready for this thing to wrap up. So you're hoping heaven is not like that, okay? What Jesus does in the text is he sort of gives us this glimpse of like heaven being like this huge, unbelievably amazing banquet party, the best party that you've ever been to. And I don't mean a sinful party, all right? I'm not talking about the kind of party where you're like dancing on the table with your shirt off and a lampshade on your head. We're not talking about that kind of party. A a party with the the best food you've ever had, Man, just the most amazing friends and fellowship with, with, with people you've ever been around. You know, the best wine, or if you're Baptist, grape juice, you've ever drank, right? The best entertainment. We're talking about just an amazing, the saints that have gone on before and, and friends, and we're all gathered. There's this great reunion. Revelation 19 talks about the wedding supper of the Lamb and how there's going to be this great feast or festival. The Bible talks a lot about, about meals and, and fellowship together, uh, about food, getting around the table together. In fact, the Bible speaks of these things over a thousand times, over a thousand times. This is a theme that's literally woven through the pages of Scripture when it comes to fellowship and meals. And In fact, the Bible uses the word feast or some derivative of the word feast over 180 different times. That God's people got together and they celebrated well. They, they had banquets and parties. And again, I think it's all a picture or a snapshot of the coming kingdom of God. I think the reason that 
We love to get together with people and celebrate and have festivals, and we look forward to holidays. It's partly because we're made in the image of God, and God is a joyful God and a celebratory God. And so he gives us this picture of heaven that's not a bunch of, you know, infants in halos and wings and fluttering about playing harps, and it's not a big, long work, like just a big, long church service with preachers. Man, he, he starts by going, it's going to be like an awesome, amazing banquet or party that you're invited to. I love the picture, the picture of heaven that he gives. And then the second thing that he, that he gets to is the guest list. He gets to, to talk about who's going to be at the party, who's invited to the party, who should be around the table. And what he's doing is rebuking, he's rebuking the religious leaders for who they have around the table. He's like, man, you guys just invited all your best friends. You just invited all the people that, that think like you and, 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 and really build you up. Man, you just invited all the people that have something to, you know, a, a, way, that, a way that you can benefit. It's sort of a human nature, I guess, that we all sort of pursue friendship and relationship with people who are either like us or can benefit us in some way. I mean, it's easy, it's easy to, pr- to pursue friendship with people who are like us or people who can benefit us in some way. That's easy. I like to hang around people that are like me, that think like me. You know why? Because it makes me feel better about me. It reinforces me. If they think the way I think, then I must be right. And so it it flatters me a little bit. I also like to pursue friendship with people that, can, that have something to, to benefit or to bless my life with. I, that's easy. Jesus looks around and goes, man, my party, my banquet, it's going to be a lot more diverse. And there's, there's people out there that you should be pursuing that, that can't give you anything in return. There's this, 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 this party, man, the guest list is vast. All the stuff that we think matters Man, social status, economic status, educational status, how many followers you have on social media, none of that stuff matters in God's kingdom. He seems to be saying that in God's kingdom, everybody is somebody. Say it's, it's not just important people because in God's kingdom, man, everybody that's there is important people. And so he's sort of rebuking the Pharisees for who they have around the table saying, man, this is not the way that it should be. This is not the way that it should be. Then, um, it's, you know, again, that had to be a really awkward moment. He told one parable, rebuked them, proceeded to say, hey, there's something wrong with your guest list. You got all the wrong people here. There's a whole lot of people that are left out. And I'm sure there was like this awkward pause. And when there's an awkward pause, there's always somebody who's uncomfortable with the, with the pause. You know, you know that person? Maybe you're in small group with that person, right? They just, they're uncomfortable with silence. They're uncomfortable with the pause. There's the awkward moment, and they think they've got to say something to break the awkwardness. You ever been around that guy? Maybe you are that guy. I'm just saying. Could be. That's what happens in verse 15. Jesus does this, and he rebukes them for their guest list. Then, he, then it says, well, one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things and said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of heaven. You got this religious guy going, uh, yeah, uh, blessed are all of us are going to be there. Yay. And Jesus is like, well, let me just tell you another little story, right? And he goes on to talk about another little story. And, and, and really the point of the next part of the parable is that a lot of people that have been invited to the party are going to have a whole lot of excuses for why they're not there. A lot of people that have been invited to the party are going to have a lot of excuses for why they're not preparing and why they're not getting ready for the party. 
We'll look at the excuses really quick. In verse 18, it says, they began to make excuses and it says, the first one said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. So this is a lame excuse because listen, no one buys real estate like sight unseen. You don't go, hey, let me give you $200,000 for this house. I don't even need to see it. Nobody does that, right? Nobody just, just goes out and, 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 and doesn't check out what they're buying, right? And so that's kind of a lame excuse. The second one's the same way. He says, I got to go, I, I got some, some oxen, right? I bought all these oxen. I need, to go, I need to go see them. Again, no, oxen were beast of burden. That'd be like you buying a new pickup truck. Here's $50,000 for a new truck. Never looked at it. Don't know if it works or not. Don't know what color it is. Don't know what features it has. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm just going to drop a lot of money on my new truck. No one does that. These are, Jesus is making the point here. These are lame excuses, okay? The last one is, again, my favorite. Verse 20, another one said, I married, I married a wife, <laughs> okay? I want to go, like, who did you marry? Like, th- this woman doesn't want to, you know, occasionally, you know, dress up really nice and go eat some really nice food and be around some really, a lot of great friends. And I mean, that's called a date. In my experience, women like to go on a date every now and then, right? Guys, you should take your wives on dates Okay, every now and then put on something besides sweatpants and go some places that don't have drive-throughs. Okay, every now and then that's a good thing to do, right? This is a lame excuse. Jesus is making the point that like you guys have accepted the invitation, but now when it comes time to really prepare and be ready, you got all these excuses why you're not going to be ready, why you can't prepare, why you're not going to go to the party. And here's where I would kind of, again, this is a lesson we need to hear the idea in the kingdom of God, we've talked about this, is that the kingdom of God is both, it's both like one day, this future event, but it's also, it's also here and now in the church, right? It's both already and not yet. And so what that means is, yes, there's a big party one day. John 14, verse 2, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again, and I'm going to take you to be where I am. Jesus is getting the party ready. But it's also the church, like God's given us a life right now, breath in our lungs, heartbeat in our chest, so that we can be preparing for the party. We can be a snapshot, a picture of the future kingdom of God. We should be moving towards the party. That's what life is about. That's what Christian life is about. It's us moving towards the party. The Bible's going to use a theological word called sanctification. It's a process. Sanctification, it's a, it's a process where we grow and we walk in the things God calls us to walk in. It's moving towards the party. And what he says is, man, there's a lot of people that accepted the invitation, said a prayer at vacation Bible school when they were six, right? They cried at at, at youth night at church or at youth camp one night. They walked down an aisle, shook someone's hand, filled out a card, and they're like, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. And then they have done nothing from that point on. There's been no movement towards Christ-likeness at all. And Jesus is just saying, this is hard to hear, I know, for some of us, but Jesus is just telling these really religious people, like, and some of you, you, you think you're, you're going to be there, but you're just not, because there's been no movement towards the party. When it comes to preparing and being ready, all we have are excuses. Well, you know, I'm, I'm single right now, and I've just got, it's kind of my, my me time, you know, one day I'll settle down and get serious about whatever. Well, I got young kids right now. We're really busy. We've got a lot going on. One day I'll, I'll really get serious about my walk with the Lord and serving and living on mission and going on that trip and doing these things. One day. Well, one day I'll, you know, I got a lot of hobbies right now. I got a lot of shows that I've DVR'd. I got to catch up on. Like one day I'll really start following Jesus. I'll go to that small group. I'll go to that Bible study. One day, one day, one day. And 
I think the simple question for all of us is, man, what are our excuses? What are our excuses for not walking in the things God told us to walk in? Because that is us moving towards the party. Again, simple question, are, are, we, are we moving towards the party or are we just kind of stuck in neutral or, God forbid, even in reverse, right? This is what he's getting on to the religious leaders about. A lot of people are going to have a lot of excuses. And then I'll end with this. The way he wraps up the parable is a challenge, really, for his servants, the church, to, to go out. Two times in those last verses, he says, man, go out. Get more people, invite more people, compel people to come in, right? I love that. The church is a sent group. We've talked about this a lot. We don't stay here in the walls of our church. I mean, we get out, we go out. Who else needs to be invited to the party? Who has God put in your life? Who has God put in your path that needs to be invited to the party, that needs to know there's a God in heaven that loves them so much that he sent his son Jesus to a cross to die for them? And this party, man, it's for, it's for everyone, Man, this party is both exclusive and not exclusive. It's both exclusive and not exclusive. Let me explain. We, we don't believe in a universal salvation, right? Universal salvation is like everyone, no matter what you do, what you believe, um, no matter how you live your life, everyone is, is going to be fine. Everyone's going to go to heaven. Uh, call it Oprah theology, like Oprah. God's at the top of a mountain. Everyone's just sort of climbing the mountain their own way, and we're all going to end up at the same place. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. Heaven is for people who love Jesus. Heaven is for people who love Jesus, okay? Heaven is not just for people who don't want to go to hell. Heaven is for people who love Jesus. And so in that way, it's exclusive in the sense that it's for people who love Jesus. But it's non-exclusive in the sense that Jesus is very clear the invitation is for anyone and everyone. That there is still plenty of room at God's party and He wants more people there. He wants His house full. And so it's not exclusive in the sense that, man, he's like, go out and get them. Go out and compel others. I want anyone and everyone at this party. I want a really big party. And so, man, this may, this may hit some of, some of us a little different today. Maybe for some of you, in a minute, Jordan and the band are going to come back out and they're going to lead us in a song and we're going to kind of end the way we always do. And for some of you, you need to hear... This invitation is extended to you today. If you've never come to a time and a moment and a season in your life where you've repented of your sin and you've trusted in the finished work of Jesus at the cross for you, man, maybe today's the day you could stop making excuses and you could say, yes, I accept that invitation, right? That's the Christian life. It starts with a decision. But it doesn't end with a decision. It starts with a decision. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a lifetime pursuit. Some of you today, man, you need to say, no more excuses. I'm accepting that invitation. And we, we'll have someone back there that can talk with you, pray with you about that. For others of you, you know you've made that decision. You've, you've said, yes, sign me up. I'm there. But if you're honest, there's just not been a lot of movement ever since then. You know, and maybe today is hopefully an encouragement, a challenge to say, okay, I'm, I'm done being stuck in neutral. I'm done with my excuses. I'm going to start moving towards the party. Man, I'm going to start serving. I'm going to start getting into this community with other people. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start living life on mission. I'm going to start trying to be aware of the people God places around me. And so today might be a day, again, you could lay down those excuses and go, all right, I am going to live my life in preparation for the party. And then I think for all of us, there's a challenge 
We need to just ask ourselves, man, who else has God placed around us that needs the invite to the party? Who else do we need to go out and compel? Who else do we need to go out and and get, so to speak? I don't know about you, but I think about the party that Jesus is preparing. I get really excited about that. But man, one of my great fears is that I get so complacent that I become more like the religious leaders who were just sort of making excuses. I don't want to make excuses, man. I want, to, I want to be ready for the party, right? I want to be ready for the party. And my hope and my prayer for you is that you do as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace displayed at the cross of Jesus. Lord, we're grateful that you've said that one day you're preparing this amazing banquet for us, that we're invited to your party, that we... God, you've given out the invitation, and I pray for anyone that's here today that has never accepted that, God, that today might be a day they say, okay, I'm no more excuses. I want to follow Jesus. I want to place my faith in Jesus. And Lord, I pray for those that, that are here that maybe have done that, but honestly, in their life, there's, they've just kind of been stuck in neutral. And I pray again today, God, you might help us to lay those excuses down and begin moving towards the party, moving towards the banquet walking in obedience to you, doing those things that you have absolutely told us and called us to do. Father, I pray that all of us might be aware of the people you place around us, that we all might ask ourselves the question, who else needs to be at the party? Who have you put in my life that I need to, I need to make it a point over the next days, weeks, months to engage them and invite them to the party? God, I pray you'd bring those people to mind. God, we're thankful we're thankful today for Jesus, for his sacrifice that makes, all, makes it all possible. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.